You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Howdy, everyone. Hey, hey, David Hall. Hello, hello. And special guest, Donnie Spiker. Hey, guys, how are you? Hey, welcome. Well, on the show, uh, we are happy to introduce new team Tifosi member and lounge host, Donnie Spiker. Which iRacing legends get a shot at iRacing late models at the Hickory Speedway? And does our own Mike Ellis have a contender for save of the year? And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iracerslounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction. 100% leak proof and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. Welcome, Donnie Spiker, uh, to the show. Uh, thanks, Donnie, for for joining us today. Um, you reached out uh, to my call for, we need a new host on the show. Uh, we need more people. We want a teammate to race with. And uh, we had several qualified applicants. Uh, and I ended up, you know, we ended up talking to you, and, and you, you seem like a good fit. So let's let's get to know you a little bit here on the show and uh, and see what you're all about. All right, sounds so good. No, first, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, my next question is, what brought you to iRacing initially? Like, when was the very first time you heard about it? Well, the first time I heard about it was probably 10 years ago, uh, probably from Dale Jr. <clears throat> but I played console games my whole life, mostly racing games. And um, so I was always nervous about the computer. Didn't really know a lot about computers, but... It was, uh, I call myself a COVID baby. So two years ago in March is when I uh, decided to build a computer, build the rig, and uh, finally make the leap into iRacing. And I haven't, haven't done anything else but iRacing since. All right, sounds good. Uh, we were just talking about this before the show, but uh, what series do you normally run these days? So this season I'm doing the, the B Open series. I'm running the full schedule there. Um, this current season... I started um, with the late model open and fixed series, and I'm going to run more NIS as well, and probably do some ARCA and C open stuff. But mainly, my my main series going forward for this season will be the B open series. 
yep, yep. We want to get you on the NIS stuff as well. And, um, but yeah, that's a lot of, lot of activity, all official. Um, so let's talk, I mean, do you have any leagues or anything like that or run hosted? When I first started, I was in a league, but it was for the first couple of weeks, but I've only done official. I, I've, I've done a hosted in the beginning as well, but um, I don't know. I feel like it, for me, it, it means more if I'm running for I rating or, or the championship points. So I only really focus on official. Okay. I hear you there. Um, I like official for a lot of reasons and I'll, I'm going to get you uh, to, to run some hosted with me though. Uh, one night I'll, you know, you got to be brave and confident enough just to jump into some random hosted room, you know, that somebody's put up and, and feel confident to run with those guys. And, uh, it, it's a lot of fun when you find the right group. Some of the stuff I'd run in the beginning, the hosted stuff, it was, um, some, you had to crash everybody out. So I was terrified of my wheelbase. Am I going to break it? So a lot of that stuff I'd find myself in and didn't have a lot of fun. Okay. So let's talk about your hardware. What do you currently have, like your wheels and your pedals and stuff like that? Yeah, I have the Fanatec CSL um, wheelbase. I have their Podium Hub, and I have a, I don't know, I, I won't call it real, but it's a 15-inch oval wheel. Um, I do have an open wheel rim, but it's there's no buttons. It's just an, they're both actual rims for real cars, um, and I run them off the Podium Hub. I have the CSL Elite pedals. It's probably gonna be my next upgrade. I need to get something, something a little better. I got the Fanatec H pattern that I use. Um, an Amazon. Um, I'm sorry, e-brake or handbrake, and I, I run AMD graphics. So I've heard there's an issue lately, uh, but I haven't experienced it yet. So I've got the Ryzen computer and the AMD graphic card. Okay, very good. Um... Was that what you started with, um, and, and or have you upgraded uh, over the time? No, this everything's from when I started, so everything's two years old. Uh, the computer was a complete build from the ground up. I think I may have got in right before the GPU boom because uh, it wasn't too crazy. I'm now seeing them come down, which is good, so I might up the GPU here pretty soon. But other than that, everything's been working fine. I had one green screen in the beginning, but not knowing anything about computers, you just kind of work through it. So it's forcing me to learn essentially everything about computers so far, as much as I can learn. And then what is, I don't know if I heard, but what is everything attached to? I mean, do you have a cockpit or a, a rig or are you sitting at a desk or what? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, so I made this decision in March of 20, everybody was off work. I had to stay at work and had a lot of time to think and I only wanted to do it my way. So I built it out of PVC pipe. There's an old man on Google that I saw, like he had been 80 years old, sitting in a white PVC frame uh, cockpit. And I was like, I could do that. So I took a while, I built it, designed it. And then my monitor stand is actually uh, two by fours painted, but it doesn't look terrible when, when you see a picture from, from back, everything's black. It looks good. Um, so my next one, I'm going to weld an actual chassis with my boy and maybe get him a rig set up as well. Boy, you and Tony Groves are going to get along great. Um, he's all into that do-it-yourself. In fact, I think Tony's first rig was a, a pipe rig that he put together. You know, I for how my mind works, I don't know. I couldn't see it any other way. Um, a lot of the stuff you can buy looks really nice, but uh, uh, just building it yourself uh, was what really pulled me into it. Yeah, the the only concern I have with that is, I mean, the pipe thing is the adjustability. I mean, you really got to nail it the first time, right? Uh, as far as where the seat is and the angle and the 
the distance to the wheel and the distance to the pedals and all that, right? There was, uh, there's no adjustability. So there was a lot of screaming fits in the garage when I was fine tuning everything. But uh, my next rig, if I do build a metal tube chassis, I'm going to have adjusting sliding seats. Hopefully it's stiff enough. It won't be that big of a problem. Okay. Well, we talked hardware. I mean, what software are you running as far as, you know, obviously um, TeamSpeak you're running um, the sim, but what else, what other, are you running any third-party apps? I know you and I were talking about some. So I've got the standard crew chief. Um, I've been off and on trading paints. And I don't know if you guys experience this, but when I load into a session, and I'm starting to understand why, but when I load into a session, I get a lot of lag in the beginning. It's not until I actually get to the official race session that I don't experience any lag. And I don't, I'm pretty sure it's through trading paints, but I went back on it after I started painting my own cars. And uh, so far, no issues. But uh, I've, I've had SimHub in the, in the past. I'm not a, against going back to it. I just started limiting everything. I even cut off my mic in iRacing. I just want to focus on the racing. And I don't hear anybody talk. I don't talk to nobody. Um, other than that, software, just crew chief. Um, I do have the Earl Bamber spotter pack, which is a lot of fun. And um, that's it for the most part. Okay. That's interesting. No audio. Um, yeah. And so you... So that's interesting. You're running with no sound from, uh, you know, the guys talking and the race and that kind of thing. Now, you came onto our team and you experienced, you know, how we're running races where we're in the team speak, talking to each other about our races, even though we're not even in the same split. And so what did you think of that? Was it a little jarring or is that, is, or is that something you're going to be able to get used to? And I'll get used to it, definitely. It was uh, so I'd eavesdrop on you guys in the beginning, just listening to you guys talk while you race. But uh, um, no, it'd be no big deal. I'll be fine. Um, the push to talk part's hard. Um, usually I just talk um, when I'm doing this. So hopefully I don't screw that up too many times. But no, it's not too bad. Monitoring the volumes in TeamSpeak and, and the motor sound, I got to get that dialed in. Okay. Now, one more thing on the hardware. I mean, you talked uh, monitor, not VR. Is it one or three, or what do you got for the monitor? I got a three 27-inch Asus monitors, um, and I got them at a 30-degree angle. I, I know 45 is the typical, but I had to be different, and I brought them into to 30 degrees to get a little tighter feel. So when I look right to my left, outside my left eye, is the outside edge of my left monitor. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, uh, I always said you know, run a laser beam through your ears for, you know, perpendicular and it should hit the either side of the monitor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I tried VR once and, and it was right when I was building my rig, I went to my buddy's race shop. He owned a late model team and I got, I couldn't turn a few laps before I got hot and sweaty and sick. So I don't know if that's a normal thing. So it's turned me off of the VR, but I see everybody do it. It looks awesome, but I, I don't think I physically can do it. It's actually your right, body thinking, good. sorry, that's actually your body thinking you're on mushrooms basically and re and rejecting it. It's it's a genetic feature that just messes VR up. So what, David, do you get used to it? Is that the idea? No, not everybody has that, that gene. So mushrooms are out of my future. Probably. Okay, very good. Um, now, I like to talk about a driver's profile, um, the racing, iRacing profile a little bit, you know, and brag on you a little bit. So, you know, it, you know, it says you've been here two years and the number I like to look at is the winning percentage. You're at 1.4% uh, on the oval, um, you know, and dirt road was surprising 11.8%. 
on dirt uh, on dirt road you have for the winning percentage. So uh, what is it about dirt road where you're doing so well there? I don't know. I honestly don't like it. Um, I did buy the the handbrake, but uh, I don't. Ra- I didn't race a lot on dirt road. I think I raced up through C class, but uh, it is what it is. I I don't find I have a nice setup and a nice wheel to to be comfortable at it. So I don't really run it that much anymore. But uh, I'm not I'm not the fastest guy out there, uh, especially with oval. Um, my time slot slot here on the West Coast. So I run from 8 p.m. to 11 typically every night, usually every night. And for what I run, I usually get one to two splits, and I'm usually top split. But I get some aliens in there, so I'm hoping my my whole goal for a race is to finish in the top half to not lose I rating, and that usually gives me good enough points. But as for the most part, sometimes I'll get up and finish in top five. But for the most part, I just want to finish top half the field. All right, very good. Uh, you know, running NIS with us, you know, you're going to get better on ovals, I'm sure, and you, your confidence on that will go up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks like you race quite a bit. Uh, I mean, looking at your last ten races, a uh, late model, boom, boom. Just trying to get better at short tracks. Uh, that's why I started this season with that. Uh, I think I'm overdriving the car right now. The first week was Irwindale, which is a local track for me here, but never been on it. Actually did pretty well. And then the last two tracks we had, I've, I've actually won at another series, but uh, got my butt kicked. Okay, so we like to wrap up the uh, interview with uh, an important uh, the question we ask everybody, and that is, what is your most memorable iRacing moment so far? I don't know, just the whole process of wanting to do this for years, uh, finally convincing the other half that uh, this is an investment, not really an investment, but, but it's uh, something I'm going to be doing for a long time, building the, 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 the cockpit, buying everything, building the computer, and then finally sitting down for the first time and, and running those first few laps in the street stock. Those are what I remember the most, and I won't say they're the, my most favorite memories, but uh, for me, they're memorable. Um, and getting my first one in ARCA was, was pretty nice, but, but just building it, sitting down, putting everything together, not knowing anything, and then uh, turning those first few laps. All right. Well, great. We're happy to have you uh, on the show. Thanks for coming on. And, you know, we're looking for your new perspective. Uh, a lot of us have been around uh, iRacing for a long time. And, uh, you, you know, you're kind of a, what I would call a rookie almost. So uh, we're happy to have you. So thanks for coming. I appreciate it. let's jump into the news we're going to start talking about the off-road championship and brian it looks like it was a good day for some canadians yeah so uh this is actually week two of that brand new um iRacing off-road world championships um this track was at uh wild horse pass and you know they have double features in these races and uh both were run one by Canadian drivers, uh, Alex Bergeron, uh, who we all know from uh, the World Outlaw Sprint Cars, uh, won the first of the two features, and the second one went to uh, Felix Roy. Um, and if he's Canadian, it might be Wah, right? Like the old goaltender, Patrick Wah. Um, so I hope I'm not mispronouncing it, but I'm going with Roy because we're American here. So um, congratulations to those two guys. Uh, second week, um, results there for uh, the off-road championships and uh next wednesday will be uh race number three coming up 
Yeah, and I watched the All Star event. I, I missed the actual main event because it happens when we run NIS, so there's no way I can see it. But I ran, I watched part of the All Star, and uh, Parker Retzglaff, uh, one of the Coke drivers, he ended up on his his uh, lid uh, in a turn one incident, which is pretty normal at Wild West uh, Motorsports Park. And um, but yeah, that was kind of fun to watch. Uh, you know that first lap carnage. Yeah, I've been uh, real busy lately, um, and I didn't get a chance to watch that race last night. It was on Wednesday night, um, but um, I will catch it on the, um, their YouTube channel. They do have have it available anytime just to watch it, because I really enjoyed watching it last week uh, at that first race. So, uh, you know, these, these trucks are just a lot of fun to watch, and when when you have guys out there who, who really know what they're doing, it's it's really cool to watch and uh, really something to admire how, how talented these guys are. So you know how we like to run over the blue cone just about every time under caution or just try to drag it around? Well, I think this next tweet uh, is revenge of the cones, right? What do you think of this one, Kyle? Uh, I actually found it pretty funny. I was just watching it, the little three-second clip about it, and wherever there is grass, there are cones, and it's red cones, blue cones, green cones, everything you can think of as far as the color goes, and sizes of all kinds. And it's just flooded the entire grass area on outside of the track itself. Now, would you be able to drive through it? Say, what was that? You say drive through it? Yeah, I'd drive through them. I was wondering if you can make it all the way through it. I don't know. The the cones won't slow you down. I know that um, they've gotten stuck in in a in a P1 hybrid before, where I couldn't actually see through the car. But I don't. They don't really slow you down so much. So it looks like uh, Watkins Glen turns one, two, and up through the S's. And so the track is clear, but everything on either side of the track is like a layer of cones. It looks like it's a single layer. It doesn't look like it's deep. But, uh, yeah, it looks crazy. I'd love to be at speed and just run off into the grass and drive through those and watch them fly. It should be kind of fun. Now, do you have to cut and paste every cone, or is every grass blade replaced with a cone that's what they did is every grass blade is a cone remember when they did the fences a couple weeks ago the fence posts they turned into lizards and so they can take any graphic and insert it into the system so what he says in the tweet here is they're working on the vegetation instancy instancing system and so I imagine that's you know a blade of grass so they just said hey we're going to put a cone for every blade it blade of grass so could this be a work towards new grass model yeah vegetation instancing system i'm sorry i was late to the show guys but i'm here now thanks kyle well something that's not late to the show but is coming in brand new is the new porsche 963 we have an official instagram post with this hypercar which is going to be the gtp class and it's coming to both WEC and imsa next season it's uh, featuring, well, it's uh, going to chase greatness in the world's most prestigious endurance races is also included in there. It's just an Instagram post. There's not a whole lot to see. I think we've seen some some models kind of along these lines, but uh, I hope iRacing can get this in, this in this system soon. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about is, you know, with, when these new race cars come out with a partner like Porsche, who's definitely a partner to iRacing, 
are is i racing getting in on the ground floor i mean are they getting the cads you know as the car is coming out so we can get it like when it releases you know that's what you kind of hope for in these situations you know well, I believe they're trying to cut some of the cost in research and development with this particular model. So there's um, hopefully that means that it's not going to be as a secret of a of a car as far as they wouldn't let you scan a prototype or an F1 car ever in the past. Right. So um, hopefully that reduces the need to have it so top secret between each of the constructors. And IMSA seems to have a good relationship with iRacing, so hopefully. Right. Well, we have, don't we have a Porsche series? Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the history of the Porsche cars that have recently released, you know, it's kind of been in the manner I spoke of. So you kind of hope that this goes along with, you know, the same gui- same guidelines. So quick question. Will this replace, um, you know, I may have said it, will this replace the 919? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if there's another class as well that's coming in. I think there's two levels of prototype that are coming in. One is f- like factory supported, and one is is not. Um, but yeah, the nine eventually the nine one nine and the the Audi R eighteen are 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 going away. I hope it has some similar hybrid system that's that's still manually deployed. But uh, we'll see how how it all runs. I love running the nine one nine. You gotta wonder if iRacing's not pulling their hair out with how quick these changes come in the in these IMSA series. You know, you know, like NASCAR. You know, you get a brand new car once every you know seven to ten years or something like that. These guys are seem like every year they're coming out with new cars and uh, and changing things. So um, it's kind of interesting. I just wonder how how hard it is for iRacing to keep up with all these changes. Yeah, I mean it's a full time job for probably several people you would think to kind of chase all this stuff around all right mike we've got an additional update about oswego yeah listener john zachary gave us some more info on the oswego speedway after our last conversation he says hi mike i want to give you some more info yes it is known for the super modifieds but they also run the wheeland modifieds uh, once a year as well as the bl- big block and small block dirt modifieds. They put clay down in September for the big block modifieds biggest race of the year. Super dirt week. So the track would be used for more than just the super modifieds. It's crazy that they wouldn't want it scanned. Sad. You know, I have another yep. story later where we talk about North Wilkesboro. They're putting down dirt there as well in the fall uh, in the late summer to uh, run dirt races. And so Oswego apparently does the same thing. Well, in that case, since we're, we'll just go ahead and cover them both, right? They're not putting dirt on the asphalt. They're, they're tearing the asphalt completely out and, and putting dirt down. Like a one-time deal, probably, because they're not going to do that next year, right? No. Yeah, they're going to put a new, uh, they're going to put a whole new pavement down. Oh, they are going to, okay. I was under the impression it was going to just stay dirt. No, they're going to repave, yeah, repave it. But what I'm saying is that it's probably unlikely they're going to put dirt on the new pavement later, you know, a year from now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't. There's no way. Right. It sounds like they're just taking advantage of the transition from the old, old uh, surface to the new, new repaving. 
so let's cover that other story real quick. There's a uh, tweet from Dale Jr. that said, you know, North Wilkesboro is going to have a dirt version and this and that. And so I actually replied to, to Dale and said, hey, you know, is iRacing going to be able to scan that, you know, when they uh, put the dirt down? So what do you guys think? If it's a one-time deal, do we do we need to get it scanned? I don't know. I would think so. It's another dirt track they can get. Why not? It's more content they can sell. I did not get a reply from Dale Jr. A little disappointed, though. It's okay. It's just his PR team anyways most of the time. So going back to Oswego, you know, you know, we were kind of talking last week that maybe the reason they didn't scan it is because they only drove those uh, super modifieds there, um, and it wasn't worth um, scanning the track to bring in the car. Um but now it seems like uh, from what, what John is telling us that, you know, they do have other things here, the Wayland Modifieds, which are already in iRacing and the, and uh, the big blocks and the small block Modifieds. So, you know, there are other cars that run this track that are already in the service. So it seems a little, little, little more strange that they, uh, they haven't made that deal yet. Well, it was just like in the download where they had said that, you know, because of that super big block modified, that iRacing wasn't interested in adding that into the service, at least not right now. And that was kind of the deal breaker. So, you know, without one, you can't you can't have both without, you know, agreeing to it. So it's just coming to terms. I'm sure they'll work something out in the future, but maybe not this year. Now, does iRacing pay these tracks or is it vice versa? Because it just seems like it would be free advertising for this Oswego um, track to get eyeballs on it. I don't know what the business relationship is. Um, It's hard to say these days. I think at at one point it might have been one way and maybe now it's another. I don't know. If I had to take a wild stab at it, I would say it's licensing agreement is what it is. And there is a there is a point now uh, that we've talked about recently, or I think I think Junior Eckler's actually talked about it, where they are having to uh, now decide which tracks they can they can bring in. Like tracks are approaching them instead of them having to go hunt down tracks. Right, there's plenty to do. Right. All right, Donnie, why don't you take the next one? I races around the world. Can't hear you. Sorry, Mick Claridge is riding around the world on a bicycle to meet I racers. That's how I read it too. Uh, so his, his message is, hello, guys. I wrote a little while ago from Wales, and you read out my Nürburgring pace notes tip. I hope you found it useful. My friend Mick Claridge, 15 times, I official iRacing world champion, decided that he would get on his bicycle and go around the world meeting up with iRacers. You can see his progress at the Discord page. Joe P. Yeah, I don't know. So is he riding around the world, or is he riding around the Nürburgring? No, no, he's riding around the world on his bicycle, and he's going to meet up with iRacers. Has he got to take so his? Guess, has he got to take his uh, bike on planes and go that way? I guess so. I, I apparently you can see his progress at the Discord channel, but but the guy Joe Peak, who's over at the GSRC channel, he's going to be put up some you know summary videos soon, and so uh, yeah, we were looking forward to seeing those videos and maybe. Uh, document some of these meetups that he's trying to uh, meet up i wonder who you know uh, who he's meeting up with i don't know but he's got a pretty neat looking bike yeah is he just going to do europe or is he actually going to fly the bike across and, and hit the americas too right um can't leave out asia 
Yeah, he's on um he's on a list to go to the USA. I um, I'm on his dis his Discord page and it has a list of all the countries he's going to. And USA's on there, so uh, so is Canada, Hawaii even. That's not a country, but it's a it's a place to go, I guess. We just had that bear walk across America last year, I think it was. So it's possible we get a, especially where I'm at, get a lot of people that start their bike rides here and they go all the way out east to the east coast. You know, hell, I'll meet him. If he comes to Phoenix, I'll buy him a beer. Now, on the, on the pace notes tip, I actually did use that. I had to learn Barcelona last week and I went in and I I watched the VRS video and took wrote myself a little short script and and just dropped in quick tips on which side to get on right before at on, on each straightaway to make the turn and what gear to take it in and if it was just a single turn or a double apex or or a triple s or whatever and it made learning the track quite a bit quicker and what you recorded that into crew chief yeah i did the only the only downer was that it the volume was really hard to control so i i had to go in and manually edit the wave files to be loud enough to hear it was recording and really too soft had to go through and, norm and normalize them all all right brian got a discount coming huh yeah this is uh the back to tarmac discount okay so this is a 25 percent discount to reactivate an account that has been uh expired so um that works on one year and two rear two year renewals. So you just go to members.outracing.com, select your renewal period that you want to get, and you will get a 25% discount automatically applied and uh, to your shopping cart. So, um, so yeah, um, my guess is that you know this is like one of those deals. It's summertime; less people might be on uh, have uh, less time on the service, and maybe their uh, memberships are expiring. You know, maybe it's a a reason to get some of the people who have been who signed up during the pandemic uh, maybe some of those accounts are, are going inactive and uh, just gives them a good good uh, discount to get back on the service would be my guess it does say expired accounts it doesn't mention anything about putting your account on hold and coming back so i think they are specifying expired and the one and two-year contracts that's a good call out i'll be waiting for the black friday as usual but i'm on a two-year renewal i think I just did the two-year renewal. I don't remember there being a discount back in April. I don't think there was. You have to catch yeah, it. Yeah, you got to wait. Got to wait till Black Friday. Yeah, that's the time to do it. And even even if your uh, time period is not due in um, November during the Black Friday sale, it'll just be extended from when your um, your time period does end. So it's you're not. It's not like you're losing half a year by getting that. Yeah. All right, Mike, the next thing we got coming up is the Mike Esterson iRacing Challenge. Mike? No, Max Esterson. Yep. He's that. Yeah, he won some kind of iRacing contest and went into real racing. Uh, he's been running some open wheel cars. And so uh, Butt Kicker has announced their presentation of the Max Esterson's iRacing Challenge. It will consist of a time attack challenge followed by a finale race with the top 20 racing against Max himself. Now check this out. It's already underway. Qualifying started the 24th, ends on July 4th. The finale is July 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's at Spa in the Dallara F3. There's over $3,800 worth of prizes. So they're giving away, as you can guess, butt kickers. <laughs> uh, 
and not not just any i mean like the first place for the finale that gets the gamer pro four corner kit plus the hapti connect ultimate and so the fastest time gets a prize the a random participant gets a prize and then first second and third in the finale race get a prize so wow i'm i'm tempted to go run some uh time trials just so i can be in the random participant category oh you don't think you have a shot at that top 20 no yeah neither do i have the car i didn't own the car so would you spend the money on it though well i guess we'll talk about that i was like man i'm not gonna run the skiffy this week because i don't own the track and david you gave me a hard time I I went off, man. Okay. I was going to wait till podcast house notes, but this is a great transition. Mike, we tried to talk Mike into just getting, you know, the $400 Formula One wheel. He he bought the $1,300 one. And then he's he's venturing into Skippy's and trying to work his way up the, uh, skip, the uh, open wheel ladder. And he's like, oh, Skippy's are at a track I don't own. I don't really want to buy a track. So he, he'll spend $1,300 on the wheel, but not 13 bucks on the track. Where's, where's the logic here? All right. So I told him, don't play poker because he, we, he would probably fold with a $3,000 pot to a $5 bet. That's a good point you brought up. Yep. Well, maybe all those but tracks, I didn't have to. <laughs> maybe all the didn't tracks he didn't decide. buy, he didn't buy, uh, enabled him to spend 13 on the wheel. That's true. Try to be a little bit frugal, you know. I'm not like, you know, Greg and go buy all the content all at once, which is something Greg did once. Yeah, I made that mistake myself. Ooh, that's a that's another level, Kyle. I mean, you're just trigger happy. I mean, you were just like, man, I'm gonna be doing this forever. Not only that, but I was like, yeah, I'm gonna race this, I'm gonna race that, and I can tell you that I own everything except for like the next gen Ford and Toyota and new amg everything else i own all the tracks i own and i've maybe touched a third of the content that i've purchased so it's yeah it's overwhelming right there's just too much it really is because you're like okay so i'm gonna advance to this license so i'm gonna need i'm gonna need this car for sure which i'm probably gonna need these tracks so you just buy them and i wouldn't buy them all like in the first week i bought them over probably a three-month period of signing up for iRacing but you add that on top of the expense of upgrading rig and you know, here I just built the PC for twelve, thirteen hundred bucks, and everything else went with it. So I'm in deep on this, and I'm like, well, I'm in head first now. But save that thirteen bucks. That's right. <laughs> All right, I'll buy the track when the, when it when it comes. I didn't have to this week. I was mistaken. All right, I'll I'll take this next one because I did have time to watch the video earlier. Uh, e NASCAR Coca Cola Series I Racing announcer Blake. McCandless? Did I say that one right? Or McCandles? McCandless? All right. It's, it must be McCandless. Um, he's always wanted the chance to get behind the wheel in real life and found out, and this story basically covered it as he got to chase that dream at Hickory Motor Speedway. Um, and this was pretty neat. You got him. You got to hear him talk about uh, how all of the iRacing training basically transferred into the car once he got used to to just being in the car it felt just like he was in, in iRacing and I've actually experienced the same thing when I did the the Rusty Wallace experience in Memphis um and we're just continuing to see this where all, the sim training is transferring over to real life 
yeah, pretty neat opportunity he got um, to get in that car and try it and give us feedback on what he thought. Yeah, I think he was running midway through the pack until he blew the motor or something happened with the motor, but he was running pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was setting up passes just like you have to set them up. And, and so you learn all the racecrafting, but he was being extra careful because there's no reset button, right? Um, you can't put it in the wall and, and just go grab another car unless you're a cup driver. But, uh, um, it was, it was, it was a neat video to watch and, uh, makes me want to try something like that again, for sure. It talks about his personal history a little bit. I mean, he, he, he just barely missed, um, the Coke series. Um, he didn't make the cut. And so then Nat iRacing actually recruited him to be the second announcer for the Coke race, um, re- replacing the longtime announcer, uh, Tim Terry. Um, and so, yeah, and so iRacing did this video about him. And he's an, an announcer at a regional racing series. And uh, I think he's in, in North Carolina, you know, trying to get involved in the racing scene. Now, I, there was a picture above that story, Greg, I don't, or David, I don't know if you missed it, but the picture of Nigel Mansell sim racing. Well, if you look at the script, it's not showing up. We're just seeing a title, a, a file name. Oh, I see. So uh, then I, it's showing up for me. I don't know why we'll have to get that fixed, but I'll cover this one. So William Esports put out on Facebook, um, some pictures uh he's it says we got impatiently waiting to see nigel mansell taking the formula wheel uh formula car up the hill um so we got him to take it for a drive on the sim and so basically it, they have a simulator set up there with a fanatec wheel and a, a widescreen monitor play seat um rig and none other than the legend Nigel Mansell, who's in his fire suit and everything, uh, you know, doing laps and, uh, you know, they're showing him how everything works and, uh, looks pretty cool. He's one of the guys I don't see around too often. Like you see all the other legends around the paddock of F1, but you don't see him around too much. So this is kind of cool to see. I think it's that Goodwill festival of speed in the UK. I think that's what it's called. It's Goodwood. Goodwood. I'm going to take the next one here. Um, so it looks like we've got a uh, possibly a new track coming or a redevelopment of a track. I can't tell. Greg Hill had tweeted out just a, I guess, their laser image of just the logo of the Super Speedway. Um, no name, no iconic little markers anywhere. So let's look forward to some more oval content here. Hey, the logo that's the, is that's the Atlanta SMI logo right logo. there, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah the SMI, yeah. That's the Atlanta logo specifically, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Now I think about it, yeah. So it's like we're going to be getting the, the new Atlanta here soon, hopefully. Yeah, and they had kind of hinted around this uh, coming out before the uh, Atlanta race. So, um, yeah, that's that would be definitely would be my guess that it's just showing that the progress of uh, the Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, reconfiguration should be on on schedule. So I'm going to jump ahead because it is Atlanta and they announced recently um, in an article at iRacing.com a story about the Atlanta uh, development. And what's going on is they've actually announced a release tomorrow morning, Friday morning, 
Uh, and that is when we're gonna, getting Atlanta. So we're actually getting it tomorrow. Did they say there's going to be a charge to it, or if it's just going to be an addition to the current Atlanta? An unknown. They have not put out release notes um, at this point. So we don't know if we're getting the keep the old Atlanta, uh, what is the cost, all unknown at this point. All right. Well, if it need be, I'll buy it for you, Mike. <laughs> all right, Mike now, misses NIS race. We're going we're gonna to take, <laughs> take up a collection. Yeah, I ain't going to miss no NIS race. This being such a drastic change, they better keep the old Atlanta. I would think so. I hope they I hope they at least have it available after this new one comes out. You know, whether it's we have to pay for it or not, it's it's less important to me than than having that old Atlanta still available because I think it was so unique. Okay, so this article that they put out, rebuilding an icon, Atlanta Motor Speedway, is probably the longest article I've ever seen that iRacing put out. But it's basically a long version article about the development of the new track and iRacing's involvement in that development. And if you're interested, I definitely recommend reading this. I sat down today and, and read it, and it really gives you a, an idea of how NASCAR and SMI and Marcus Smith and Atlanta Motor Speedway used iRacing to really figure out, is this project viable? Will this work before we uh, you know, do any kind of destruction or reconstruction of the track? Um, and so that's what they did. And they talk about the story of the back and forth uh, of trying different things, different uh, degree of banking. Uh, let's try this and that. They iRacing would would put together a, a, an Atlanta Motor Speedway with with these ideas that the people had, and then they would race cars on it and see how it would work. And then they would go back and forth and tweak it and so forth. At the end of the development, when they found something they liked, they basically converted it into a CAD drawing that the construction people could actually you know, use to build the actual track. Then they talk about building the track and some of the challenges with it, you know, like the pavement uh, machine usually has to be um, held from the top, but they weren't able to do that. So they got to pave it from the bottom and there's all these different challenges they had. It was quite a long read. And after I got past the development spot, I really skimmed through it, but they were specifically interested in how they could see how a pack of cars would, would race in, in the different configurations instead of just seeing what the grip level is, you know, just a bunch of numbers they were actually seeing how the emergent properties of how racers treated the track. Yeah. And there's some quotes from Dale Jr. in here as well. He was involved in the, the testing and the, some of the decision-making uh, uh, the way it sounded like, like, like he was saying, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, like, iRacing and, and, and Dale and, and some of these guys that were, you know, putting together some of these ideas of where things should be, like, let's take our liberties and just show them where it should be and, you know, and that kind of thing. So as they develop the track, there's different, you know, revisions going on, you know, based on everyone's feedback. So this isn't the first time this has happened. It happened with the, the California, you know, turning into a small, a short track, which never really happened. You know, the Chicago uh, project, uh, the Bristol Dirt project. 
Well, we found something in the city of Fontana. Somebody submitted building plans. Um, I could dig that up and put it in our group chat. But um, right now it sits on 550 acres-ish, and it's getting shrunken down all the way to less than 15 acres, it looks like, the entire property. It's not big enough for a parking lot. There, there is no spot for parking anymore. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to the track and whatnot, but it's going to look completely different. They're getting rid of the, they have to get rid of the suites that are on the pit road. They wanted to keep them, but it looks like they're going to have to get rid of them and um, build a, they're probably going to build a backstretch grandstand back there. I got a quote from the article. I'm going to read a, read this one quote, whether it's a new venue or a facility that because of the health of the asphalt has to be redone, iRacing gives you a chance to say, hey, let's throw some different variables out there. And, and before you undertake that really expensive moving of the dirt, you can try a lot of things out virtually and test things out. And it may allow you to test the boundaries and try some really wacky things and see how a car would react, see how it responds with 40 cars on it. And then one more, uh, Earnhardt Jr., he said, quote, there's a lot of projects in the works, a lot of big and am ambitious ideas, and the sim will not only let some of these come to life and be a reality, but also save the industry and the fans a lot of heartburn over projects that shouldn't happen or that we find aren't practical through the work of the sim. Like all the different repaves of Bristol? And how about the synergy between iRacing and NASCAR and SMI? And Dale Jr., I mean, he's the director of iRacing. He's literally the spokesman for NASCAR. I mean, he's like a figurehead uh, in, in NASCAR these days. What he says goes. I mean, he's a team owner. In, and so all this comes together, and uh, it, it seems like it's, it's working really well. I mean, iRacing has really taken on in the last you know two or three years a different role besides just providing us a place to race. I mean, they're in the track-building business, literally. And I imagine SMI paid them handsomely for their work, I would guess. I mean, what do you think uh, about that, guys? Do you think there's a, I mean, what are the financials behind this article, but behind iRacing being involved in the development of that track? Well, I'm, it's probably related to the sponsorship money that, that they have coming in from NASCAR, right? If they, if they, there's probably some money being, there's, going one direction or the other either that or just a, a really good mutual benefit agreement because um, that's engineering work right yeah and i imagine lots of hours too and for the nascar track out here the, the nascar on one in fontana they uh i guess they really wanted the suites to stay and i racing proved to them that they couldn't keep them they couldn't keep the suites they couldn't keep that layout and make make that turn off that banking and when they developed it in iRacing, iRacing basically said, we can't do it. You're going to have to get rid of the, the back, uh, the pit wall suites. Well, let's take a poll. Uh, iRacing actually put one out on Twitter asking where the racers spend the most of their time. The options are official races, hosted races, league races, and AI races. And let's just go around the, around the horn on this one, Donnie. 95% uh, official. Brian. Or Brian just sat back down. Or Brian? I would say mostly uh, league racing more than official. Uh, Mike? I'm all four, but uh, most of the time is official. And Kyle? Uh, I missed the topic. 
Uh, we're doing the iRacing poll. So which, which of the four do you do the uh, spend the most time racing? The four types of racing? Uh, Well, this year it's actually, I think, been more road racing than it has oval. So I have to go with road racing. More, more like official hosted league and AI. Yeah, it's going to be road. So road official? Yeah. Okay. And it's almost all official for me with one league. It's hard for me to usually com- commit to leagues because I miss so much with music gigs. Just like I was gone all week last week playing a gig. Um, so that's what I like about the official is you've got more than one, than one option to hit. Yeah. You race so much, David, you know, there's just no way that you'll be able to hit leagues more than official because league official races are open pretty much all the time. You know, leagues have a set schedule maybe once a week at the most. Yeah. But, um, I race a lot more when it's not, you know, marching season or, or when I'm playing a lot of gigs that, that starts to interfere with say a Tuesday night or even a Wednesday night sometimes. So it's nice to have that Sunday morning to catch up or, or, you know, sometimes I've got ball games on Fridays. So one of those that's locked into only one day, it's just, it's not going to happen. And we're All jumping right. around the script, uh, David, you missed a bunch. Oh, that's cause the yeah. Is the Ray that's cause we're on the Ray test drive. Yeah. We were on the iRacing Atlanta article. I had scrolled down there. So iRacing Coke Series champ Ray Alfala got a chance to test drive a late model in the real world at Hickory. He posted his thoughts on Twitter. He said, I don't know how sliding the, I didn't know how sliding the tires would feel in the heavy car. So I made sure to push and find out everything I learned in the sim racing transferred and uh, catching the car felt natural. Here's some onboard footage. So he's got a video and some pictures and yeah, it looks like a pretty cool opportunity. And it looks like the same late model team, Landon Huffman, is doing this with iRacing with these drivers. Yeah, Landon Huffman, I believe, uh, racing. And uh, he's, yeah, they gave, they've given lots of opportunities to iRacers. That's true. It's not the first one. Yeah, he said um, he got up to speed quickly, um, which is a, you know, which is definitely something that the sim would help you out with. If you've never actually raced a real car on a real track, you know, that learning curve probably is, you know, cut down quite a bit from the time you start to the time you get up to speed. Cause you, you, you know what to feel for. And you're just kind of, when you're, when you're in the car, you're probably just feeling out if everything transfers to what you already know, what you're already so familiar with in the sim. And once you kind of figure that out and, and, and it's, and everything makes sense, then you probably get right up to speed at that point where somebody who, who doesn't have that experience probably would take a little longer to get there. When I drove the late model at Memphis, they have, they have these cones set out for your brake marker and, and you're actually for let off gas, let off, hit the brake and for get on the gas. Um, and I could already tell how conservative they were being on wh- where to get on the gas after about lap two. I was like, I can get on the gas so much sooner. I could, I could just feel that I wasn't on anywhere close to the edge with where they put the cones. Were you with a group of people or any other iRacers or do you feel you had some kind of advantage? Um, it was the Rusty Wallace uh, racing experience kind of thing, but this this is um, the nice thing about Rusty Wallace is they don't put down, they don't make you follow a pace lap. All right, you have a, you have a spotter in your ear actually, and they have uh, they have some drivers doing ride-alongs, and you're told when to get down and let them go by if they're coming, and other otherwise you just go, and you just use the cones. 
All right. Okay. Uh, uh, I think I heard Donnie say something about F1. So, Donnie, I'm going to toss this one over to you. We've got an F1 champ on the sim. And we actually covered this one already, didn't we? We did, yes. Yeah. So the next one is the forums. Yeah, this one feels kind of trollish, but somebody has achieved form pro license. His name is Jason Perry. Yeah, so the new forums, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but you can be a rookie or, and they have different levels. And I think it's based on how many times you post. So this guy got over 2,000 posts and he noticed he has the title of Forum Pro License. You know, I haven't found myself enjoying these new forums. Maybe I'll get used to it, but um, yeah, great. I think I'm still Forum Rookie. Forum Rookie? Okay. I, I, I don't know where I'm at, but I'll have to check that out. The um, Also, you may not have noticed, we're, we're talking about the new forums. I think they completely shut down the private messaging system on the... Uh, on the forums you can't you can't get there anymore when you click when you go up to you can't get to the old forums at all now so oh really yeah that was the only way to get to the private messages through iRacing do we need private messaging well yeah when you want to tell somebody they're they're dive bombing you know whatever yeah sure yeah That's, i just i just look them up and find their profile and i can message them that way usually but yeah it, it is kind of a pain to get to um, and not to revert back to last week, but I, I have to agree with Mike that I wish there was a way that they would integrate it to the UI to access the forms a lot easier. Through the app, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the app because uh, we have a companion app update. Our racing companion app has received an update. Alex Gustafson posted those release notes in the forum. Now, I, I reviewed the notes. Uh, there wasn't nothing earth-shattering. There were just little tiny fixes um, and stuff. But it's interesting that, you know, they're developing it and, you know, putting out release notes and stuff, just like they do the sim and and the beta UI and the everything else they do. So um, it's, it's their product. So is this where they're kind of starting to separate themselves from that iScheduler? Because up to this point, uh, Tyler and I were talking about this, you know, as a, at this point, you know, it's an exact copy of the iScheduler apps to be there. And we know that they, they basically bought that company and uh, are using it themselves, but, um, and, and maybe they haven't had a chance to start to uh, differentiate it from the original iScheduler. Maybe this is the start of, of that process. It must be, yeah. I mean, they like I said, just little tweaks uh, was all they did. Nothing earth-shattering, but like I said, I hope they add the forums or, you know, there's other things that, you know, they can do to make this better. And we already talked about the patch. The iRacing is going down tomorrow to, to uh, basically release Atlanta. What a bad day to take my vacation, right? All right, well, Kyle, why don't you take the next one? We got Ferrari teams with Next Level Racing. Uh, let me find it here because uh, we skipped around a little bit. All right, here we go. Next Level Racing and Southport has signed a multi-year uh, collaboration with the European sports car giant in a bid to bring worldwide sim racing to the Gold Coast. The company will supply simulators to Ferrari to help train eSport racers. So it looks like Ferrari is going to release their own sims to eSport drivers, I'm guessing. So they get the big money sims well this is an australia story specifically and so i presume it's just uh 
for Australia specifically and not anything global. But, you know, how cool to be a, you know, next level racing, a, a cockpit manufacturer and you get Ferrari, you know, to sign with you. Yeah, you know the prices just went up right there <laughs> for next level right. racing with that with that kind of a um, cooperation, um, and, and I hope it's a sign that Ferrari takes a bigger uh, role in um, i racing. You know, obviously we have the Ferrari uh, GT cars and stuff like that, but you know, I'm hoping maybe this could be like uh, the way that. Um, that Mercedes has gotten into with the F1 cars. Does that does that mean that Ferrari could be next up for uh, Formula One on our racing? Pretty cool. It would be neat to have more than one make in in the F1 cars. One cars. Yeah, definitely, definitely. How is the F1 car doing in the F, in the Grand Prix series? Is that doing well still? No idea. The- I, I bet you. I bet you that's one of the reasons. If if it's not taking off. You know the the lack of uh, different options for cars is probably a big difference. You know, a lot of those guys uh, who follow F1 are, are very loyal to whatever uh, car drivers and manufacturers that they that they like. And you know, they and the way the, as restrictive as Mercedes has been with the paints and everything with the F1 car, you know, people might not want to get into it uh, without having their favorite manufacturer or favorite paint available. Yeah, getting other manufacturers on board would only help. They'd have to probably bring in some new uh, European servers. All right, Mike, who's the most active sim racing title? Yeah, Boxes Slap has uh, put out a list. And basically, uh, iRacing tops the list. They base it on an average of simultaneous amount of players, 8,458. Second was F1 2021 with 7,547. Uh, 7, Third, Assetta Corsa. Fourth, Assetta Corsa Com- Competizione. F1 2020 and fifth, Project Cars 2 and 6. Race Room 7. R Factor 2, 8. Wow. F1 2018, 9. And 10th, Automobilista 2. So what do you guys normally get for an NIS uh, session? How many people usually register? It depends on the night. Uh, Friday nights can go anywhere from 300 to 500, depending on the track. Uh, except if it's a road course, it tends to be a lot lower. So we're going at well, 614 for our factor is their, their average player count total for the service, it looks like. There you go. Yeah, NIS, NIS is not the biggest draw on, on a lot of things. Uh, I signed up for during the Watkins Glen week when they were getting ready for the six hour. There would be every two hours, there would be 400 to 600 people signed up just to run a 45 minute Watkins Glen race. Yeah. So, I mean, just to go back to what we were talking about a little while ago, you know, the, the number two most uh, populated uh sim was uh the f1 2021 that's that's the target that iRacing can cut into if they uh if they had that f1 support you know a little bit better f1 support those guys are, are racing f1 2021 instead of iRacing probably because there's not a not a complete f1 um car lineup in the sim 
And it probably, I know it's coming, but F1 does have rain and, and we don't, we don't have rain in the service yet. And for a lot of sports car drivers, and well, a lot of road drivers, they want to see that. Uh, Mike, I know I just talked. Go to ahead. I, I tossed. I was going to say hashtag soon. <laughs> yeah, I tossed the last one to you, but this one's got to go to you as well, Mike. Why don't you tell us about this next video? Well, I posted. I put this up in the chat. Uh, I was running hosted uh, Talladega or Daytona. Yeah, maybe Talladega or Daytona. Uh, the 87 cars and somebody had spun and I had gone left to miss them and, and I didn't quite make it and they just clipped me and that spun me around a 360 at full speed and the tires are so awesome in iRacing that you can just drive through it and catch it and that's what I did and I did a full 360 at speed, um, caught the car and just kept on racing. It's definitely got be got to be one of the top uh, saves ever. Um, I'm disappointed that you didn't save that as a replay because that would have had to have made the top ten. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Uh, saving replays is the last thing on my mind, but everyone had said that. Oh man, you got to submit that. Well, iRacing did put up a tweet this week, and it said, "Do you ever make a save so good while racing that you're not even upset about the mistake you made to put yourself in that position to begin with?" Hey, I, this is perfect way to share my video. So I replied to that tweet with the video in question that I took from my cell phone. And, uh, and yeah, the blend back up in traffic is weird. It just looks natural. It worked. These races are short, no caution, uh, uh events. And so at this point, my race was over anyway, you know, I'd lost the track position. There's no way I'm going to make it up with no yellows. So, um, I was disappointed. I, you know, I was initially thinking, man, that's kind of cool. I, I kind of saved the car, but I was disappointed because I didn't get to go for the win. All right. We have one event on the calendar. It's the peach three iRacing special event. And this one's is a, basically a charity event. Uh, it raised more than $57,000 last year, uh, for the national, uh, multiple sclerosis society. Right. It's going to be fe it's going to be running the usual splits that you see on the July fourteenth fifteenth weekend. So there's four starts, um, zero GMT, three ten, and eighteen are the are the start times. It's at Road Atlanta, full course. Uh, rookie license and up can race. Uh, it's starting eight a.m. sim time. It's a uh, thirty minutes warm up, eight minutes qual, three hour race. And the cars, it's got one GTE, a bunch of GT4s, and the MX-5. And so I guess you're, they're encouraging to go to the Multiple Sclerosis website and actually donate if you're running the event is the idea. So when you go to that website, which is the, uh, the nationalmssociety.org backslash iRacing, that's where you actually register and then donate if you can. And this is the one where you can g get little power-ups from donating. For 350 you can throw a penalty to another uh, competitor. Uh, you can call a caution for $500, limit of two, and a caution with a wave around for 1000 They have, They have a swag you can get if you donate... $500, you get an iRacing hat 
that says stream to end MS. 750, you'll get the hoodie sweat sweatshirt with the same logos. And you'd probably buy that, wouldn't you, Mike? It looks pretty nice. I like that hat. As long as it's not a track. Right. Nope. Yeah, we can we can give to charity. Yep. Looks like Steve Myers and Chad Canals are commentating the it looks like the top split. No, I think they're racing it, aren't they? I think that's what they did last year is they were racing it. Okay, yeah. Yes, here. We'll field a team for the race. Chad Canals, Steve Myers, and Nick Ottinger. They'll be running the 8 p.m. Eastern time, which is midnight GMT split. The first, the first, or start time, that's the first one that starts. Hi, racers, listen up. There's a new set of pedals entering the market, and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to feel the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to Simcoaches today. Go to Simcoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and save big when you do. Use promo code iRacersLounge. You won't regret it. housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more, more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers during your race so they don't miss out we would appreciate it don't forget our discord and our new website iracerslounge.com in regular roto- rotation at the performance motorsports network all right brian you want to kick it off the uh, fantasy report yeah, let's go. Uh, so Nashville Super Speedway last week, um, taking the win for the fantasy was 21F. Uh, Jay Ray was second, and D-Train 89 finished third. Uh, not a great week for Tafosi. Uh, the top Tafosi finisher was, uh, let's see, Bobby Jonas was eighth. Um, Tony Rochette was ninth. Um, and uh, I finished 14th. Uh, now Greg finished 17th for the week, and uh, you know he's fighting in the battle for the top spot in the entire series. So uh, Greg took one on the chin a little bit, and uh, is now steadily is in second place behind Louder Racing in, in the uh, overall standings. Uh, looks like Greg's about uh, about 62 points behind now, so he's uh, built a little little bit of a. Uh, a little bit of room that he's not need to make up to catch up in that one. So uh, we'll see how Greg makes out the rest of the rest of the season, trying to, trying to uh, run down the first place. Losing ground there. I ended up doing this with you guys in the very beginning. I started pretty good. I won auto club, but I somewhere I took four weeks off, not paying attention. So this week I made sure to do it again. And, but yeah, I was leading this, the standings for a little while in the beginning until I forgot to do it for a couple of weeks. Well, right twelfth for the week is right. Yeah, twelfth. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, anytime. I mean, you know, it's not Mike where you're finishing the thirties pretty much every week. But 
Well, for you to come back and, and to jump in again, Donnie, and, and pick up a 12th when our own Tony Groves, who's, who does this every single week, I mean, he pulled up a 36th. Ouch. I did have a couple Toyotas this time around, and that didn't work. They were running good, but the rain delay kind of kind of threw them a wrench in their cars. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. We start the hardware software topics off with the tell of two rigs. The first rig we have is not what you would call very anti-flex. In fact, it kind of flexed too much. Or maybe it's that it stopped flexing. I don't know. But what's impressive is the dude just kept racing. Holy cow. His seat collapses literally while he's driving. His butt falls, you know, a foot and a half to the ground. And like you said, he still is turning the wheel and he doesn't let go. Looks like Looks like a next level rig. Easy now. Oh. <laughs> is that what you got there, Kyle? The next level pipe yeah. rig? Yeah. So it became a low level rig. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. You sure it's just not like one of those quick conversions from GT to F1 style seating or something? Is it... Has to be. It might be actually what happened is that that, that brace or that lock gave way and to go into the other position. He looks like he's already sitting kind of F1 style, though. He's leaned way back even before it falls. So let's look at the other side of the coin here on the rig review. Um, we go from the from that one to this custom 80-20. Holy cow, guys. I, I want to call this the box. Feels it's claustrophobic. Like a rectangle. Yeah, it's a rectangle, right? Think of the heat that holds in with that roof on there and it being right on top of the monitor like it is. There's no way you, you could stay in there and be comfortable. And the light's right above your head. You're right. So I wonder mean, if those that's are... why I, w- I wouldn't do a roof just because of the warmth of it. There's no air movement, right? Yeah, so it's like for my rig. So mine is open air, but I've got a big green screen that wraps around me. So it gets hot as can be in here. So if it wasn't for the wind sim, I would burn up. Not to mention, I got four 3D printers running that produced a bunch of heat. So, I mean, this room just stays constantly hot. I'm guessing so, just once the immersion of that roof, I mean, about the only thing you get additionally out of it is the light hitting the roof. Yeah, that would put some glare and reflection for sure. So for the audio listeners, I mean, what we got is an 80-20 rectangle that, as we described, has a roof. Um, but he's got triples, and the you know obviously the left and right monitors stick out of the box. You know, it, it looks like a very custom job. This isn't something that's for sale. Somebody made this. It looks wider than it needs to be. If you look on either side of the the seat, you know, there's a good few inches on either side. So it's like a real big footprint. Uh, he's got it on, you know, legs uh, to get it up off the floor. But the roof is really the unique thing with this one. Um, not sure if, if I'm a fan of the roof or not. So uh, I'm looking at it and I'm kind of putting some more thought into the design of it and I can't see the backside of the rig. So I'm going to go off speculation, but I'd opt to say those two side monitors fold in and make that compactable to where you could move it without having to 
fit it through a wide door or you know a narrow door with the screen sticking out. Okay. Have to bolt on some wheels down at the bottom. Real clean wiring job. You can see the wires uh, go up to the wall. You only got like power and Ethernet. It looks like, and this uh, everything is self-contained. Computer is probably behind the center monitor. All right. The next one goes to our motion guy, Brian. We have the Knopfinator. Yeah, so this was uh, posted on GitHub. Um, it's a six degree of freedom rotary um, Stuart motion simulator, they call it. Um, so it looks like on here, they pretty much break it down on how to build this thing yourself. It's not it's not something that you would buy off the shelf or anything. Um, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a rotary platform type of uh, system where um, it's got actuators coming out from underneath you with, um, with just the connections that go to your seat. And, you know, it really throws you around quite a bit. Um, he's doing a simulator in here. It looks like it's like an open world type of game, like a GTA ra racing thing. And um, yeah, he's getting thrown around all over the place. When he, when he's hitting the accelerator, he's, he's, uh, he's leaning back super far. Um, I don't know how, how practical it is for, for like eye racing or anything like that, because, um, it, it looks too extreme in the motion for me. Um, I don't know if I'd want that much motion. It, it would just throw you off. You know, the monitors is not big enough for really good displays. I guess you could set up in VR in this thing, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a neat project. And he really goes through all the different things that you need to assemble this thing. Uh, if you want to try it yourself. Wow. The video says it's a 5,000 us, uh, for everything. Now, where, where this does look like it would be good, it, it would be like in flight simulators with the uh, exaggerated um, emotions that this have. You know, if you're like in a, a fighter simulator or something like that, where, you know, you're really pitching down hard or really um, um, rolling to the left or right, um, this thing would actually probably fare a lot better, more realistic than, than in a car. You know, you don't really get that quite that much motion in a car that's got all four wheels planted on the on the ground so uh it's a pretty neat thing um and uh, you can check it all out uh at get get github.com all right you probably already heard the the new ad read with the um this but we're also going to talk about it on the show there's now available on the sim coaches website they have for available for pre-order sim coach p1 load cell pedals and you can pre-order them and save $100 off of them. So they're, they're moving into the load cell range, too. Uh, if you can afford a hydraulics, I would go for that. But if this is more your price range, these guys make the best pedals. Man, they're, they're pretty. I mean, the design, David, I mean, tell me how it, different it is than what you have. I mean, the upright of the pedal itself looks the same, but everything else is different. Yeah, the pedal's the same. It's just the mechanism that's different. It doesn't have the cylinders on it. All right, it's got a load cell device on the back instead. I mean, how cool is it? The sim coaches, you know, they got the hydraulic, you know, best pedals you can buy kind of thing. And now they're getting into this load cell business. Um, you know, I would say that these are uh, a competition for or the Heiskenveld Ultimates or the Heiskenveld Sprints or some of the other popular load cell 
uh, pedals. Um, you know, price range is right in that area, right? What kind of connection is used for these pedals? They're USB. USB. Not RJ11s? RJ11, that's like a phone phone connector. That's yeah, my the, f- the V3s use that. They will actually use that. On that's the, what on my, the uh, my direct drive wheel uses. So, Kyle, you have the hydraulic sim coaches like David, right? Correct. What do you think about load cell? I mean, when when you think of good load cell pedals, I mean, what comes to mind? Uh, well, I want something that's going to be rigid. And with this all aluminum design, and of course, we can't see inside the actual load cell system, but this is completely different than if you went with like a uh, Fanatec load cell pedal kit where this has like a box on the upper portion that connects. So all in all, the design looks really good. Um, now mechanically how they work, unfortunately no one knows. Um, so I'd like to find out how they feel in comparison to other load cell pedals that I've had. I wonder just how stiff it is compared to the hydraulic though. You know, if you had them side by side, I mean, how do they feel different from each other? Yeah, it would be a good test to find out. Um, but I mean, it's other than, like I said, the box where the load cell part is, it is all the same construction as the hydraulic pedals minus the hydraulic cylinders. All right, Brian, who wants the next gloves? Well, this is a company called um, Morandness. Morandness. And uh, man, they got lots of gloves to choose from if you're if you're thinking about getting uh, racing gloves for uh, for your rig. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure these can probably even be used for karting and things like that as well. But um, um, check their website out because they have a whole collection of gloves to choose from. Morad. Daniel Morad is the guy. Remember we talked about him, I don't know, a week or two ago, but uh, he's a racer. And um, yeah, and so apparently um, they're trying to market uh, this to me because I've been seeing this these gloves in the commercials, like on Facebook and stuff like that. But what do you guys use for gloves? I mean, I was looking at my gloves the other day, and they are worn out. I mean, they're literally coming apart. But uh, they're just like weightlifting gloves with the the fingers cut out. Mine are bicycling gloves. Harbor Freight gloves. Sound thick. I go gloveless. I go through spurts with gloves, really. Uh, depends on what I'm racing. If I'm doing a lot of road racing, then I'll wear gloves just because the interweb between my thumb and my index finger get worn out on the F1 wheel. So I will wear gloves in that case. But if I'm doing oval, necessarily don't really wear them. I know, David, this is your part to uh, do the transitions. But, Mike, I think you want to do this one. This one is right up your alley uh, with your uh, hue lighting that you got. This is kind of resemblance of it. Yeah, Jeff Marble over at Fast Track Sim Racing League. Uh, put up a tip and he said, Hey, did you know sim racing apps has a built-in flag light that works via Wi-Fi?" Well, now, you know, this video shows you the test mode. All you need is what's called an L I F X bulb or LE strips from L I F X. You cannot use another name brand. Once you have the light working from your phone app, All you need to do is copy the token from LIFX, then paste the token into Sim Racing apps, and that's it. 
We tested it out last night. There was no lag with it instantly turning colors. What bothered me was the green stayed on the whole time while under green flag conditions. Uh, I did contact Sim Racing apps and they showed me how to only have the green on for a short period of time. So he, his video shows the picture of, of, you know, he's got the bulbs in the room and they go green, yellow, red, you know, red, you know, depending on the flag condition. So it's pretty cool. Um, will this work with my Phillips Hughes? No. Uh, like Jeff said, it, you have to have a specific uh, brand of bulb called LIFX. Now, if somebody can tell me how to program my Phillips Hughes so it does do flag colors, I, that would be cool. But right now, the Phillips Hughes system is driven by um, what's called Hue Sync, which is the app by Phillips Hue on the computer. And it basically replicates whatever's on the screen. Now, I can uh, do the whole screen or I can cut a corner, like a square of it. And so the idea is when you do the ambient lighting thing and you want the shadows is you just cut a square of like the dashboard where the shadows would hit. And so that's what you do when you're in a road car is you just, you do a hot key and you draw a square and then a, the ambient lighting will be whatever is in that square as you drive. So how do I get the eye flag to override that? You know, when the flag comes out, I mean, we would, software wise we'd have to figure out how to how that how to do that so it looks here just for the color bulb uh through this uh, lifx.com uh it's going to run you about 26 dollars uh just for the bulb itself which isn't bad uh so keep that in mind when you, if you're thinking about doing this that's cheap yeah that's the sale price it's originally 35 dollars. it's two tracks you know i spent a ton on these philip hughes bulbs and the arms and everything else that went with them. But I like it. I think it's a neat effect. All right. Uh, Donnie, how about this other, this uh, e-racing lab RS series? It's uh, another motion system. Can't hear you. Sorry. Trying to find the article on it. The link isn't sending me to it. You got it. Uh, e-racing labs offers their new RS series of motion actuators. And, uh, their website is eracing-lab.com, and uh, this is like the D-box style, you know, bolt one on each corner kind of motion rig, kind of like uh, Brian has. Um, and, and Brian, we probably should have thrown this to you since you're aware of what these things cost. I mean, it says it's from $1,980 for the RS Mega Plus. I mean, that's cheaper, I believe, than what these usually go for they're usually three thousand right yeah it's actually a lot cheaper than what some of these systems you could you'll find for so the rs mega plus with the thanos controller which is the controller um, that i would recommend that you get um, it's a complete kit for twenty four hundred dollars um, so that con includes the controllers the actuators um, all of your uh, servo drivers um, and they're really nice looking units with a 150 millimeter uh, uh, stroke on them, which is a pretty big stroke on those things too. So um, if, you, if you're looking into, and they'll bolt onto pretty much any 8020 uh, type aluminum system. If you're looking for actuator type motion system, I can't 
I, I can't tell you there's a there's a better system for less money than this. You know, if you want to buy a D box and spend you know fifteen grand or whatever they run, go ahead. But I don't. I can't see you getting a, a, a measurably different experience than something like this for for a, a fraction of the price. So, um, and they're nice looking units too. Those actuators with the black aluminum with the red highlights. It's a very nice looking system too. So. Uh, if you're looking into getting motion, I would definitely check this out before you, you know, make any final decisions. And this is at eracing-lab.com. Um, just one note: um, the uh, the shipping on these are pretty expensive. You know, you could spend uh, you know four or five hundred dollars easily on the shipping on these from where they're coming from and the weights and all. But um, you know, that's probably not that much different than too too many other companies that are located um, in Europe or or um, or places like that that have to ship from far away. Yeah, you can get the red or black or all black if you want to. For your motion rig you have now, what is the contact patch on the actuator that you have? How big is it? Um, are you talking about where the actuator touches the, the floor or where the actuator mounts to the rig? Actuator to the floor. I'm looking at these. It looks like a, almost the size of a bottle cap, and it leaves an indent, but he's got it on a rubber mat. Yeah, they actually have little sets you can buy to put underneath them. Um, the contact patch on those is about um, it's it's bigger than a, a bottle cap. I'd say it's it's about um, yeah about inch inch and a quarter uh, diameter where it's touching would be my would be my guess without seeing it. But um, it's it's bigger than what a, a bottle cap for sure. It's it's at least twice the size of that. But um, they do um, like I said, they do sell these cups separately that kind of sit in that. And uh, they help keep it in place. So uh, there's some little extra, extra pieces that you can get from Eracing Lab for that for that purpose as well. They do have a DIY section as well. It looks like. Yeah, they can. They can. Um, you can build this system with their parts separately. You know, you don't have to buy the complete mega kit, which is like you know everything involved in one box. You can buy the actuator separately. You can buy the controllers and everything else separately as well. All right, Mike, I think this guy has your uh, Philips Hue setup beaten. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's Greg or somebody put this in the chat this week, and it's a 15-year-old kid who throws a rave every time he does a kill in Call of Duty. And I'm not kidding. It's a rave. I mean, he pushes a button, and the lasers go off, and the, the lights go off, and it's like disco, disco ferno, you know, and and the the loud music bumping, uh, and and then on top of that, flamethrowers showing flame, you know, throwing flame up from the ground, you know, six feet up, uh, all this behind, you know, while he's playing Call of Duty, every single time he gets that kill, he's got that uh, rave button, and uh, boy, you know that I need that for when I win, you know, I get that win and. I'm like, heck yeah, you know, and I start yelling and screaming and stuff. I need a button to push with for the flamethrowers. You order the Arduino board, I'll make it happen. There you go. I wonder if his parents know about the flame. That looked pretty crazy. Now, I've noticed, like uh, is, has smoke been a sim feature yet? Have we uh, seen that? You guys have been talking about wind the last couple of weeks. What about smoke? Yet again, get your Arduino board. I can make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, and Kyle, let's take a moment and 
and talk about your your services since you're talking about hey you know you'll you'll hook somebody up with Arduino but tell us what else you can hook somebody up with uh, with I actually threw out your company name and gave the wrong name last show so why don't you uh, give a plug all right yeah so as of last week um I have fully committed to a not a full-time job obviously um it's a startup for it's called Supreme 3D printing uh, I print everything from stuff for sim racing, uh, such as the wind sim that I currently have, uh, that Mike has. Um, I'm actually in the middle of printing one for our other teammate, Greg. Uh, I'm about 90% done with it. I'll have it done tomorrow, late tomorrow, early Saturday. Um, but I also do home decor, uh, little useful little things I have around the house. Uh, you name it, I can either design it or find it and print it. Uh, the Etsy store is etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Supreme 3D printing. You can find me there. I am working on a website right now that will eliminate Etsy store and be sold directly through me, uh, help cut out some of that cost. So um, if you got a chance, be sure to go check out the website. I really appreciate it. Um, and always, if you need to reach out to me, um, a way to, to reach me is here on the show notes. Um, and if you have any questions, uh, there's some things I don't have on my website that I'm sure you may want that you just talk with me and uh, we'll work something out and get you taken care of. They can send you a, a, a file just to print. You know, you could do it that way. Or you can even custom make stuff from scratch, which is basically what you did for me in creating our WinSim that you Correct. and I currently have today. I mean, we tried different things. I mean, uh, and, and you, you had to try different iterations of it until we got something that worked, right? Exactly. And so now I've gone with that design that I made for you and I have used it, uh, not only for myself, but for Greg, uh, he's got the full complete, um, final rendition that we come up with. And then I had a, and a listener of ours who contacted me and wanting the same system. And so he has the same thing that you now have as well. Um, so it, it definitely is a really good setup. Um, there are still a little few more tweaks I'm going to make to it, but nothing that's going to, you know, be drastic. All right, cool. All right, the next thing we have is a D DSD GT310 uh, wheel. It's a Derek Spears design, and they're shipping out by the end of July. Um, looks like it's got some carbon fiber type surface. It kind of it's got the running thumb buttons all the way up and down. Got uh, I don't see any hat switches, but four knobs as well, and uh, one set of pedals. Three hundred millimeter, three hundred five millimeter, which is uh, really wide compared to some of the wheels. So I look at this, and so I've have I got an AccuForce wheelbase. And AccuForce oval wheel that came with it, and an AccuForce uh, F1 style rim, and I paid six hundred something bucks for this thing, and of course it's only got one set of paddles, but it's only got I think uh, eight buttons and two toggles, and two of the buttons are actually rotary dials, but for this thing to have sixteen buttons and to have a more F1 style look for it for. Um, what is that? Four hundred dollars? I mean, four hundred bucks. Yeah, and it's Bluetooth. It's mine's Bluetooth as well. But for it to have all that, I think I kind of screwed myself. I would have much rather gone with this. Now, rather it would have connected to the hub. I don't know, but I would have made found a way to make it. Pretty cool. 
yeah, Derek Spears is known for his button boxes. And so, you know, if you think about it, it's just a, a fancy button box. But yeah, if you're on a budget, I mean, this really kind of fits the, the, this is definitely something you want to look at. All right. And they're shipping. So, yeah. All right, Donnie, are you in the zone? Sony Electronics is launching a gamer gear brand called Inzone, aimed at PC gamers. The company announced its new brand Tuesday with two 27-inch monitors and three variations of gaming headphones. Sony, huh? I mean, who thinks of gaming monitors? Do they think of Sony? I don't know about monitors. I use Sony headphones because they're, they're some of the best sound gear for raw sound. I would have just assumed Sony owned one of the gaming brands already. Well, they do. Don't they make this thing called a PlayStation? Okay, so Sony plans to sell a $900 4K resolution monitor with 144 hertz refresh rate available this summer, and then a $529 1080p monitor with 240 hertz refresh rate coming later this year. Now, these aren't widescreen. It looks like they're just normal 16 by 9. Yeah, it seems a little high for 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 that HD pushing what nine hundred dollars you said, Mike. Yeah, that's very high. That's per monitor, correct? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? I think so. <laughs> All right, I'll so just, make sure we were clear there. I'll just buy a race. Okay, and then the headset is wireless headset for two ninety nine, along with a pared down uh, two twenty nine wireless headset with no leather or noise counseling, and then a $99 pair of wired headphones. Well, even the wireless headset for that price, is, I think it's reasonable for a Sony headset. Um, like David was saying, their sound quality is one of the best. So I, I would be comfortable spending that much on a wireless headset through Sony. Yeah, we don't have any pictures of the headset, though. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, the only thing, uh, I just don't like having a wireless headset because... Uh, you're in the middle of a race and it goes dead all the time. Or in the middle of a podcast and it goes dead, Mike. Happened once. Um, yeah, I'm, I make sure to charge before the show. I got this one. Fan Attack Killer is none other than the Moza R9, says Chris Hay on his YouTube channel. Um, he does a review, basically, of this uh, wheel. They sent him the white version. They have a white and a black. Um, his white version had some imperfections on it, um, chips in the paint, you know, little imperfections, as you would call it. But he, it didn't bother him much. Um, it's a, a small, a little bit smaller than the CSLDD, a little bit lighter. But there, it's definitely in direct competition with the Fanatec CSLDD. Um, availability is what he really said, you know, it boils down to and taste. Um, the wheels are so similar that, um, you know, he, and he, and he thought the quality was enough, you know, for what you're getting. Um, he really did like the, the uh, Formula One style wheel that you get with it um, and had a lot of good things to say about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the, the, the conclusion was, it's great that the uh, consumer has choices. Um, do you want to go with Fanatec, you know, with their, you know, history, uh, you know, they have all the different wheels and all that, or, 
you know, if you go with Moza, you're pretty much going to be using their wheel, you know, uh, kind of thing. So good video. And Boosted Media had a similar similar break of those um, saying that a lot of it has to do with availability. You know, do you really want to wait around months for, for your product from Fanatec when you can get it quicker with uh, with the, these other companies, Moza and, and, uh, and, and ones like that? I mean, Donnie, you and I were, were talking this week about Fanatec, and if I started over today, would I buy Fanatec? And I don't think I would. I, I actually, I think I told you Simicube Sport was what I would pick. Yeah, I'm more worried about customer service. I think I've only had a deal with Fanatec once, but it was that typical nine-day response turnaround time for each question. That's why I asked if there was any local wheelbase makers, but I don't think there are. No, uh, I don't think local so. in the country. Uh, the only one that there is is AccuForce, and I'm aware of. And they're out of Ohio. That's well, what you have, yeah, AccuForce. What about VRS? Where are they at? I would say it's they're probably Canada. a German, yeah, Canadian or a German company. The Canadian. the Fanatec products are made in California. There's, but there's, there are all other company is still based over in Germany. Now the a lot of these chinese products that are coming in are are coming through american vendors which means you you got a little bit better chance of getting in touch with a customer service person who lives in the same time zone or close right yeah fanatech doesn't ship too far from me but um yeah you have that two hour window during the day at like 6 a.m to contact fanatech but uh, it worked out, actually worked out, and I've had no issues, but I'm definitely looking to get a direct drive and starting to research where I want to go. Well, I mean, Fanatec should be embarrassed with the current quick release system. I mean, it's just a joke how much play is in it. Um, they keep talking about, you know, oh, the new one's coming, the new one's coming. We've heard that for over a year now. Um, where is it? Now, with your AccuForce, can you put any wheel you want on? Do you need a special hub, or can you put any wheel you want on? Um, I don't think I don't know because looking at the hub adapter, I'm not too sure if it's the same as like Fanatec or what I could get from Derek Spears Designs. Uh, I'm sure it's the same six bolt pattern to put the hub on as all of them are, so I can make it work. It's just buying that additional hub, which I think was. 80 or 90 bucks i mean so for people that don't know i mean fanatec requires you to use a their hub which has a piece of electronics in it that basically allows the force feedback to turn on and if you don't have their hub and you just hook a wheel to the to it because you can remove you know the the shaft that is on the dd1 and put on a, a somebody else's quick release like an nrg but then the force feedback won't work because it doesn't have the electronics and so that forces you to buy that podium hub at whatever insane price it is and and yes. whatnot and so yeah it's just locking you in to make sure that you buy their product for your equipment yep you know yep. and i bought this expensive wheel the 1300 dollars wheel I had to buy a podium hub to go with it. And of course there's play in it. And that, and that's why it, you know, man, I, they should be embarrassed about that. It's crazy. Come to AccuForce. 
All right. This next thing we got is pineapple grips. So if you uh, don't want to wear gloves and your grips on your F1 will get a little worn out, you can go with this option to recover them or just come up with a nice color if you want. Man, I like the blue. 3D print idea. Can you 3D print it and like it's a rubbery, spongy kind of feel? Uh, they do have different um, flexible materials you can print. Uh, the most popular one is nylon that you can print that way. I mean, they say it right on the website. It's 3D printed. So, but yeah, I kind of like the different colors they offer. Uh, they show like a like a kind of a red pink one on the Asher wheel, the Asher V2, which is a really nice wheel. Uh, it looks great, you know, and I think maybe the blue ones even look good on my wheel, but I'm not sure I want to do it. But the blue would look really good with all my other blue. You guys ever have problems with those bolts coming loose that connect the grip to the wheel or to the rim? No. But yeah, this is uh, pineapplegrips.co.uk. And like I said, many different colors. Um, they look really comfortable actually and they have a different they have one that's called the chunky edition in alcantara um that one looks really neat 3d print in alcantara or maybe they they print it and then they cover it in alcantara i don't know it's a cover they're all coverings i was looking at it so the structure is 3d printed but then it's covered with like a a leather or some kind of silicone or alcantara just depends on what you pick i see all right, the next one we have uh, is more information from John DeBQ uh, about the Varo Arrow, right? And um, he sent in, uh, I guess, a post. Is this a screenshot of your inbox, Mike? You're talking about the Varo Varo Arrow? Yes. No, this is in the forums. Okay. Um, so he, he mentioned that there's a couple of technical corrections on the Varho Arrow review. Um, the requirements are roughly the same as the G2. And he also wanted to point out that you have to have an NVIDIA RTX or later. Um, it does not support AMD cards. And that the G2 is actually probably going to get better FPS than the, the Arrow. And the, the reason is it's just got so many more pixels I mean, that's a good point. You spend that much money on VR and you happen to have an AMD card, man, you'd feel pretty stupid, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I misread that. He's actually saying that that the uh, the Arrow has requires less pixels, and so it can get a little bit better FPS. I see. Uh, I think what he's uh, the hardware requirements he's, are the same. Now, I think what he he's correcting us there on is, I think we were saying that you know that those goggles i mean would probably require like the 4090 we were referring to the 4090 but uh, he's saying no i mean you don't necessarily need more hardware to run it yeah when he was uh when he was visiting on the stream he mentioned uh that it was the quality of the reverb with no uh sweet spot it it's that good all the way around like it, i had to rearrange everything when i got the re re reverb because if i had the relative box too far off to the right it was fog foggy kind of not in focus and he says that that that's the biggest difference between this and the uh the reverb and we got one more kyle 
I'm not seeing it on my end. No, I got it. Uh, we got the video cards are still coming down. Uh, this article um, tells us that the price of both AMD and NVIDIA have uh, gone down. And uh, for reference, the 3090 Ti is at 16% under MSRP. And the AMD 6950 XT at 4% below MSRP. So both these cards are now below MSRP, guys. We're finally at that point where it's not stupid to do a computer build. Just in time for the new cards to come out that will make it stupid again. <laughs> right. Uh, but, man, I mean, if you did a computer build in the last, say, year, you overpaid. I mean, poor Greg. I mean, he, he spent a fortune on that card. He overpaid MSRP quite a bit. Like, I want to say 800 I actually just... I just built a new PC, but I haven't bought the card yet. I'm still running on my 2080. So what's your plan for that, David? Are you waiting for the new cards? or um, Either that or waiting for the 3000 series to come down a little bit more. Uh, uh, Bobby keeps saying, buy this one for, for 2000, the 3090, I guess, titanium. Um, but man, that's a lot for just a video card, considering the whole, the whole rest of the gear was also just over 2000. If you go 40 series, I would wait three to four months after they release before you even purchase one, let some updates come out. Yeah, the 40 series is not going to be out till what, like October? But right now it's running. It, everything is running w way better. I'm not having FPS issues. Um, it loads so much faster. And the, the 2080 is getting the job done. So at, the, at this moment, I don't need to buy a new one unless I'm able to sell this one with the old PC. Results. Let's talk NASCAR iRacing Series. We're back at the Ovals, boys. Uh, Friday open, it was Nashville P8. I actually led some laps. I ran top 10, basically. But the cautions didn't fall my way, and the long runs near the end uh, killed me. I was fast on the short runs. I mean, I was the fastest car, or one of the fastest on short runs. But, man, get more than 25 laps, I'm um, fading. Um, no matter what I did to save, it wasn't enough. And But P8, you know, I'll take a top 10. Tony Rochette was a P12. Man, one caution effed me. I've never short, never short pitting with five laps left in a tank again. I was P3 when I pitted and a lap and a half later caution. Only two cars were left on the lead lap um, after that caution. Steve Allen P4. He only had two cautions. Okay, and then Sunday open, David, P10. Yeah, uh, this was, was this the only one I got to run? I think I might have gotten to run on Thursday as well. Um, P10 top split. Uh, I got dumped early, just a little bit of minor damage though. And then um, at some point I also sped in the pits early, but was able to work my way back up and uh, had just really good long run speed and and did a good job of green flag pit stopping too uh to, to work my way up there 
All right, Tony Rochette, P. Walled by my own strategy. Band qualified third, never left top three for 80 some laps, even led a few. Some So strategy, I led an aggressive guy uh, that was trying to pretty much wreck me to the lead and let another car by so those two could use their stuff up. Then I en they end up wrecking each other, but I, when I tried to avoid them, I just stuffed it right front into the wall. Man, I was fast and having fun. All right, Sunday fixed. I ran P16. Uh, fast on short runs, but again, deadly slow on long runs, unfortunately. It was a long run at the end of the race again, and I suck. Steve Lou Allen, he got pole position, but wrecked out early. All right, Road America. <laughs> Greg uh, ran with me uh, Wednesday night. Greg uh, wrecked out early. Now he pulled, uh, he does what I did. He showed up like literally last minute, had no laps on the track and took the green. Um, ran pretty good. He was in my split too, um, up in front of me. But at one point, I don't know, a few laps in, Greg went off and turned one. He overdrove it and wrecked the car pretty bad, so he parked it. I did that. I ran several A opens to, to kind of get ready for nice, and I would keep doing the same thing. This car, in so many ways, is driving a little bit more like a GT, and I'll be coming down the front stretch and forget that it's a, that it's not a GT. And for the for the Cup car, you've got to break it about the blue cone, and for a GT, you can go all the way to where the to the four orange cones are and you do, if you do that in the cup car you're going to the wall you're going to completely yeah. miss the turn that's a tough corner i when i first started practicing mon, uh, monday night or maybe tuesday night i ran off turn one like four or five times in a row as i came out off the pit road because i just couldn't figure it out and then eventually i i did but well, i ran I road knew, america mm -hmm. so i knew where to break it was just i would forget which car i was in Right. So I ran uh, and I ended up P21. I spun off on my own in, in the final turn twice in the same spot, um, trying to trying too hard, I think. Uh, then later, a lapper spun in front of me and came across the track and totally took me out. Um, I think I called him over the chat reckless. I, th I think, man, that was reckless. But uh, I got what I deserved, uh, P21. I had 14x, um, and I'm going to be one and done this week. Uh, it wasn't, it's not fun for me in this car on a road course. So, um, yeah, I'm one and done. I got some points, not a lot, but it's better than zero. Then, David, you ran today P2. Yeah, definitely so much easier to get to the front when you're not in the top split with, with all the the guys that have the really high I ratings um, I'd fallen down to about 1600 and so I was like car number 6 in second split and started in P6 fell back I got I had a guy on lap 1 just the car the one car in fact um, just completely missed turn 8 and ran us all over and I said uh, that was pretty ridiculous and he said I agree sorry sorry and I was like alright um and I actually started to kind of chase him back down and a few others that were in a pack. And then they all just kept taking themselves out. And when it all was said and done, I was in second place. All right. So of other official, I ran Skippy, uh, Daytona. I started P15. I got to P9 by the end of lap one. Wow. I fell back to 10th. 
but did get back to eighth. Uh, next up, I started P2 and I finished P2. It was a spirited battle among three cars. I led the most laps and made a mistake on the final lap uh, going into one. I basically spun out and lost the race. Uh, the next one, I made top split. Uh, half the field was above 4,000 I rating. Um, I started a 15th out of 15, uh, made it to P12. I was humbled. Um, so the thing is about this car is when you get into top split, man, those guys are aliens. I mean, they're like seconds faster than me. I mean, it's not like I even have a champ. So then the, the week changed from Daytona to Summit Point was end up being the, the track. Um, I started P12, finished P12, lap, lap two, turn one. The draft actually had me 15 mile an hour faster than any lap I did in practice. I completely missed the braking point and spun out. Recovered and continued, then realized I didn't put in race fuel after Q and had to stop for fuel. So on fuel, I ended up lowering it down a notch for Q and I forgot to put it back up. Okay, so the next race, now Donnie, I think you witnessed this the other day in TeamSpeak. It was the craziest thing that ever happened, but I was sitting there at the end of warm-up. The timer goes to zero. The big button at the top, it's gray and it says wait. And then nothing happens. It never goes to Q. I wait and I wait. It's been too long. I close the sim. The website doesn't show I'm still even registered for the race. Now what? I refresh, nothing. Now what? So I open the beta UI. Same thing, I'm not registered. I see it though, it's two splits. It's letting me ghost either one. So I try it. I say, oh, I'm gonna ghost my own race. But it says the sim is running. I don't see it in the task manager. So I, op I do the control alt delete task manager. I, there it is, I kill it. So then I go and ghost each of those splits and go in and see if I'm in there. And guess what, my, I'm not listed in either one. So somehow I was in the lobby, I was in the warm up. the sim never went to queue, and I was never even in the race. So if you look at the stats and stuff, it's like I never even did it. Since build week, have you guys noticed anything unusual with loading times and, and stuff like this happening? I mean, it's the first time that's happened to me like that. I mean, norm normally I have no problems. I've been reading on the various socials that people are having loading issues and whatnot. And I'm curious if that's going to be a part of tomorrow's fix. So that was a, uh, a crapshoot. I, I figured I was going to lose iRating, but like I said, I wasn't in either split, apparently. So I'd like iRacing to figure out what the heck happened there. So the next race I ran was today. I started P6. I aggressively, I got to P5 in lap one. I had a run coming up the hill to, on P4, went just a hair wide and hit the grass and spun and then got hit. I had to pit for wheel damage. They have a reset in this series. So I, I pitted and got the reset. I was P15 at that point. With attrition, I got back to P7. I actually had a good battle with P6 at the end. And I got him on the white, great fun. You know, I thought my race was done, you know, when I spun out and had to pit, but I stayed in it and it was great fun. Uh, when you find a guy that you're catching and 
then you catch him and you have to get by him and then you have to pull away. I mean, it's, it's, it's a blast. And so, um, Skippy's has been, been good. And so, uh, I'll continue to do it. All right, Mike, Donnie. Uh, real quick, Mike, yeah, when you Mike. do the Skippy's, let me know because I need a refresher and I'd like to join in there with you. All right, we'll do. We're probably going to do some tonight. All right, Donnie Spiker, how about? Yeah, so Mondays is usually when I run the late model. So this week we're at Stafford. Uh, open, I was P8, started P6. Uh, race was incident free. I was just overdriving the car, most likely. And in the fixed uh, series, I started P10, finished uh, P6, worked my way through traffic, and another incident free race from everybody. Just uh, I believe I'm overdriving. I went to sign up last night for the B Open race, and I was the only registrant. It hasn't happened yet before. So I'm not sure. Hopefully, I can get going tonight i think we need six six registrants to start a race but uh usually i'll practice tuesday wednesday thursday then i'll race my races on the weekend that's it so far hopefully nis tonight all right that'll move us on to uh, fast track league um i finished p7 and i was actually not paying i guess close enough attention and i thought we were still in the qualifying session when the timer was ticking down turns out it was the grid session so suddenly i start hearing cars appear on the track i'm like crap i missed the start so i had to start 10 seconds behind the field um luckily i was actually pulling away from the leaders i guess because i was not having to deal with traffic so it, it was just uh with all that clean and open air i was making better time than the pole sitter uh caution came out at some point i was able to catch up back by the field with the field and just through the course of the race with on track passes and uh on the and also in pit lane there were people wrecking out made it all the way up to p7 i know uh greg had a p17 and mike he, uh he says p25 i sucked out there all right well we just covered fast track and now we're into your unofficial races. Okay, so it was Chris McGuire hosted 87th at Daytona. That was the 360 we already covered about earlier. So I'll skip that. And then later we ran 87th at Talladega. I got to the front pretty quick, led the most laps. Two to go, the guy behind me basically drives through me. He hits me square from behind but it turns me down into the infield and wrecked. Yeah. That was tough. I was thinking I was going to win that one. Kyle, how about the iRacing iRock Challenge? All right. Uh, so uh, season four ended, oh gosh, a month and a half ago, roughly. Um, but season five is going to kick off on July 14th with the shootouts at Daytona uh, in typical iRock and NASCAR fashion. Uh, followed by the first official race of the season at Daytona as well the following weekend. We are running the B car. You can find us live Thursday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook at PTM Racing. And then you can also find the full race replay the next day on YouTube under the same name, PTM Racing. Um, we've got a pretty full field. I want to say we're upwards of almost 40 drivers. Uh, we've got some big prizes this time around. Uh, reaching the uh, the four digit money dollar range so uh, if y'all want some good action I'd really suggest you know catching these races live if you can let's go to final thoughts David Hall all right well I already told you about getting the new computer working I'm enjoying that uh, 
uh, Mike misspoke last week when he said I was going to be broadcasting from the beach this week. That's actually in a couple of weeks, though, that we're going to we're going to try to do do the on site thing, kind of like Brian does in his camper. Um, and then one more thing, the team that I was going to run the 24 series with this this year they all want to just run gts and lmp2s so if there's a group out there that that needs an lmp1 driver reach out because uh i can never seem to land on a on a on a stable lmp1 team they all tend to flake out all right all right brian mccubbin final thoughts yeah so uh as uh been alluded to i'm not home we're on a camping trip right now so i'm broadcasting from inside inside the trailer um but um and i'll be here for another week so uh i'll be broadcasting from here next week if everything goes well and then i'll be back home to uh, to normalcy hopefully so that's the plan for the next couple weeks all right sounds good kyle pendigraph final thoughts uh touch bases on it already a little bit with the uh new 3d printing business uh I really encourage some of y'all just to come out there and at least check out the uh, the Etsy store, and uh, you can always private message me there or through our links uh, to uh, if you have any ideas or anything like that. Um, I now I've run four printing machines, uh, pretty much nonstop. I'm actually building an inventory now for local festivals coming up. So uh, if you got something in mind, give me a shout. All right, very cool. Loving my wind sim. All right, and Donnie Spiker, our special guest, and uh, you're going to be returning to the show uh, every week, but hey, what are your final thoughts? I just appreciate you guys having me and throwing out the offer. Um, I've been listening to you guys for a little over two years now, and um, you've climbed to the top of one of my, my podcast list, and I think I told you earlier that um, this is one of probably another maybe Star Wars one I listened to that I'd like to be a part of, and it just happened. So I'm glad I responded, and I'm glad you're sending out the the offer. Hopefully, I can help you guys out. Yeah, we're happy to have you. You know, we need some fresh voices sometimes on the show. We've been doing this a long time, and and uh, it's good. To, like I said, let's get a rookie, some rookie meat in here, and uh, and see what you think about what we're talking about, and give us a different perspective. So, welcome, Donnie Spiker. We're happy to have you. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, wow, um, enjoying the Skippy. It's kind of a renewed breath of fresh air. Um, you know, you, you get stuck in your series, you know, my, my NIS, year after year, and, you know, it's not that I'm bored with it, but, you know, it's time for something different. And with the new wheel, I have a increased interest in the road racing, and so I think I'm trying to figure out finally the, how these cars are fast and the trick is is, is you're always at 100% throttle except for just a few spots on the track and then those few spots on the track is really where you have to dig deep and find where you, can you make up time there where you when you're off throttle that's where you make up time in this car and so I think I finally have stumbled onto that this week a little bit last week uh, it's finally becoming clear to me on how to be fast and uh so we'll keep at it like i said we're having fun so hey we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the our racers lounge podcast make sure you go subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play facebook and twitter see you on the track